Well, hello there. Welcome to another edition, the first edition. I'm not sure what to call this. I am Trey Elling. I am sitting next to in the virtual world, my friend, former broadcast partner, new broadcast partner, current broadcast partner, Brad Kellner, who is not in Austin these days. He actually lives in H-Town now, does an afternoon show for ESPN Houston, and he and I have had some conversations over the last month or so and have decided that we wanted to bring this little show back together. Trey and BK, which was on for around three years on the Austin Airwaves, we had a lot of fun, ticked a lot of people off in the process, and we feel like we might be able to do something similar on the On Texas Football YouTube channel now, BK. Yeah, we won a lot of awards too. Don't forget about that, Trey. We were an award-winning midday show in Austin for the three years that we had run together. And oh, by the way, once they broke us up, two weeks later, COVID-19 started. So the last time they tried to split us, a worldwide pandemic went down right after. So they better not try to mess with us again. But uh, now excited for this, man. You approached me with this idea a couple of weeks ago, and I can't wait to get started. Love the On3 guys. Grateful that they're giving us this platform and obviously had a fantastic time doing radio with you for a couple of years in Austin and excited to get this rolling on the YouTube side. So should be a hell of a lot of fun, man. Really looking forward to it. I'm glad you mentioned what happened the last time with COVID affecting the world two weeks later because there is a legitimate nuclear threat right now. So let's just keep that in mind if we're deciding that uh, this show should no longer be after a month or so. Yeah, we're warning you. It's not going to be our fault if something happens to the world. We're letting you know right now, like as long as we're together, things are going to be okay. But if someone tries to split us up, no guarantees that uh, people are going to live. That's right. Well, it felt like a little bit of a, a nuclear Armageddon for Sooners fans last Saturday, BK. We're not going to dwell too much on this game because it's obviously Friday. Need to have a short memory, not dwell too much on the successes or failures, but boy, uh, as somebody who has sat next to you in the Cotton Bowl watching Texas lose too many of these games, it was really nice to get to cruise to a 49 to nothing victory last week. Trey, I've watched this game four times since last Saturday. Now, when I was doing radio in Austin, I would rewatch games for the sake of doing radio in Austin. But, you know, down here in Houston, I don't talk as much UT as I would like. I've just watched it because it's a hell of a lot of fun to watch 49 to nothing. I mean, that was an absolute beatdown. And, uh, what a statement win. The first real statement signature win for the Steve Sarkeesian era in Austin. And not only did he beat Oklahoma, but he embarrassed Oklahoma. That was as dominant as you could possibly be. Of course, the largest margin of victory for Texas in that game ever. First time Oklahoma has been shut out since the John Blake days. I mean, the eye test, the numbers, everything tell you that it was a glorious, glorious Saturday at the Cotton Bowl last weekend. And, you know, Trey, I'm kind of pissed off because – the guy who usually gives me a free ticket to the game decided to take his kids instead. That's some jackass he is, but we don't have to talk about that. I, I had to enjoy that one from my couch. But regardless, still incredibly enjoyable wherever uh, wherever you were watching that one. Oh, don't you worry. I paid the price for that one because uh, the times that you and I have gone in the past hasn't involved two different bathroom breaks within the first 20 minutes of actually being on <laughs> fairgrounds. That was my reality this last Saturday, as were the calls to let's go play games and ride rides midway through the second quarter. 
even though I had feel like I had done a good job of teaching them throughout last week to go up to complete strangers, ask them what time it was. And as soon as that person said the time, they're screaming and, oh, you still sucks in their face. They didn't <laughs> comprehend the gravity of the moment, unfortunately. That is very, very unfortunate. But I'd like to think me not being there is the reason Texas won the game. Because like you said a couple of minutes ago, Trey, you and I witnessed a lot of those games together. And unfortunately, more often than not, the Longhorns came up on the losing side. So I, I sacrificed myself for your kids and for the betterment of the Texas football program. So I got a hunch no one's going to allow me back in the Cotton Bowl, Trey. Like if I try to go to this game next year, people are going to kick me out. So Texas actually has a chance to win. You're not alone in that. I've heard several people say, and here's the problem. If you've gone to the game this century, unfortunately, the likelihood that you watch Oklahoma win the game is far greater than Texas winning the affair. But it does feel like, at least for the foreseeable future, that script has flipped because as nice as it was to win that game, it was shocking to see just how bad Oklahoma is right now. Easily yeah. the worst Oklahoma team that I've seen in my lifetime. And I do recall sitting in the Cotton Bowl watching some of those John Blake teams in the, the mid to late 1990s. Yeah. How do these teams respond, right? Obviously, we'll focus way more on Texas today and for the majority of these shows here on this channel. But Oklahoma's lost three in a row, really all three of them in beatdown fashion. They're playing a Suddenly good Kansas team this weekend. How do the Sooners bounce back? And how does Texas bounce back? Like they've been getting love all week long uh, on campus, on social media, everywhere. Everyone has been giving love to these Texas players and coaches after what they did in the Red River shootout. How do they respond? Is this the same old Texas moment where the Longhorns let a bad team stay around and potentially beat them? Or is this a new era of Texas football where, hey, they take care of business against the teams they're supposed to take care of business against? I know Texas is more than a two-touchdown favorite tomorrow against Iowa State, but this is a telling game for me, and I think it'll be a telling game for a lot of Longhorn fans out there. Yeah, I do want to get a little bit more into the nuts and bolts of that game. First of all, I wanted to get your midseason grades for this Longhorn team right now. I think if you told just about any Longhorn fan that they'd be sitting at 4-2 and two, uh, after the Oklahoma game, they'd tell you the outcome of the Oklahoma game, 49 to nothing. I think a lot of Longhorn fans in the preseason would have signed off on that. Uh, how do you feel about just where this team is right now midway through Steve Sarkeesian's second year? I feel pretty good about this team. And, you know, the two losses are by a combined four points. Obviously, one of them came against one of the best teams in college football against Alabama. And, of course, we all know what happened to Quinn Ewers. So, like, that's the frustrating part, right? Like, you lost a couple of heartbreaking games where you feel like if you had Ewers for all four quarters – uh, you'd be 6-0 right now, and Texas could potentially be a top five, maybe top 10 team in all of college football. So, you know, it's tough sitting here thinking about that. That game in Lubbock stunk. I mean, even with Hudson Carr, Texas had so many opportunities to put that game away. And this conference is so deep this year, right? Like, I don't think there's a playoff team in the Big 12 in 2022, but because Kansas is not a doormat anymore, this might be the deepest conference in all of college football. So, you would love to have that win over Texas Tech so you would have a future mulligan, like a slip-up moment uh, if you lose another game and still have hopes of making it to the Big 12 title game. So that Tech game obviously stung the way that it went down. But you know, overall, once again, the, the Quinn Ewers element makes you feel a little bit better than 4-2, and two, and 4-2 and is not that bad. But uh, you just you, you think if Quinn Ewers was healthy for all six of these games, this could be a 6-0 and o team, and obviously the narrative surrounding the Longhorns would be completely different. Very possible. Speaking of those Jayhawks, hate to see that their quarterback is now out for the year. 
that stinks. Obviously, they lose their first game of the season last week into TCU, but this was a Kansas team that looked like they might be able to compete for a spot in that Big 12 championship game. And far from the bottom of this conference this year, I mean, I think Oklahoma, West Virginia, Texas Tech may be on that list. Iowa State may be on that list. I mean, Kansas has a legitimate argument, or at least had a legitimate argument, to be amongst the top half of this conference in 2022. Yeah, it's crazy. And look, if they go into Norman and beat Oklahoma with Jason Bean, their backup, then they're right back into that discussion, which is bonkers. I mean, their Vegas over-under was 2.5, and, and they started the year 5-0, and oh, and college freaking game day was there. Like, what? When people told me that college game day was going to be at a Big 12 game the second Saturday in October, I said, of course they are. They're going to be in Dallas. Uh, no, they're going to be in Lawrence for freaking TCU in Kansas, just like we all expected. But, yeah, I mean, that's not a pushover. Look, that game for Texas, unfortunately, hasn't been a pushover for the last couple of years. But, like, you look at the rest of the schedule for the Longhorns, this might be their easiest game left. And that's why the Tech game hurts too, right? Like, Tech, they look better this year under McGuire, but they're still going to be a bottom three team, I think, in the Big 12 Conference when it's all said and done. Uh, after this Iowa State game, hell, Iowa State might be the worst team in this league this year. It's them or West Virginia, it sure feels like right now. You know, you don't really have a whole lot of let-ups. You've got, what, one, two, three, four games against ranked teams coming up after this one, and then the season finale against a Baylor team that started the year ranked. So, yeah, I mean, no real pushovers in this conference. And look, Iowa State, even though they're 0-3 in Big 12 play, we all remember what they did last year against Texas. Hell, they've beaten Texas three years in a row. Matt Campbell has had this team's number, so this isn't a pushover either. So, yeah, this conference, man, like you're, you're feeling pretty good right now, but this league this year can humble you pretty quick. I'm glad you mentioned Iowa State and just what they're capable of because even though they are winless in conference right now, they've played three close games, and this is a very physical football team. Look, it's Iowa State, so they're not going to be able to reload quite as easily as a Texas or an Oklahoma, but they do play that typical physical brand of defense, and they're looking to really grind offensive possessions. And if there is an antidote that may slow this Texas offense up right now, it's keeping the Texas offense off the field. If Iowa State is doing what they want, on Saturday, it is going to have to do with a, a lot of short uh, short runs, uh, doing a lot in the short passing game, and occasionally trying to take shots over the top and really wearing this Texas defense throughout. And that's something that we've seen a lot over the last three years as Iowa, has been, as Iowa State has been on that three-game winning streak. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game-changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Yeah, absolutely. They've been the more physical team these last three matchups. They've won the battles at the line of scrimmage these last three matchups. And yeah, last year, Texas jumped out to a 7-3 to lead and then just got punched in the mouth over and over again and lost 30-7. to So the Longhorns look more physical this year. They look better in the trenches this year than they have the last couple of seasons. So that'll be big. And I'm glad you brought up Iowa State's defense. Uh, this is strength on strength, right? The Texas offense has been really good, especially with Ewers in there, right? Like Hudson Card, uh, I'll, I'll tip my cap to him. He's looked better this year than he did last year and coming in off the bench and being competitive in this league, not the easiest thing to do, but it's clear as day, Trey, that this offense is different with Quinn Ewers in there, uh, averaging 40 points per game this season, Iowa state, 0 three in big 12 play. You look at the record, you think they must suck. 
their defense is the best in the conference. They lead the Big 12 in total defense, scoring defense, passing defense, rushing defense. They're top 10 in the country in scoring and total defense this year. They're giving up less than 14 points per game. So it's strength on strength, right? Texas scoring 40, Iowa State giving up less than 14. And we've seen that John Haycock defense, Trey. Like they actually implemented that against Texas back in 2017 where they rushed three and dropped eight. Quinn Ewers has passed just about every test he's had so far this season. He hasn't seen a defense like this just yet. So this would be a test. Haycock, I mean, people are going all over the world, college coaches, NFL coaches. They've been traveling to Ames, Iowa to learn from this guy. Like, I, I can't believe this guy is still there. It felt like he could have gotten a head coaching job or at least a better defensive coordinator job somewhere else. But he's still there, and his defense has made way more proven and a way more experienced quarterback struggle in the past. So this will be a test for uh, for Quinn Ewers for sure. Maybe his toughest one today. I think Heacock has that uh, Eric B. Enemy. Let's go ahead and say Brent Venable's halitosis or something in, in job interviews. Why has he stayed at Iowa State for as long as he's been there? Because he is definitely one of those guys. If nothing else, he could take a step up in terms of D.C. gigs. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, maybe there's just not a lot of pressure in Ames. Maybe he's comfortable working with Matt Campbell. Maybe a combination of those things. And look, at some point, I mean, we've been saying this for four or five years, Trey, since we've had a show together. Like We've all assumed that Matt Campbell was going to leave and take a better job. And I just kind of figured, all right, Haycock is just going to follow him. And boom, he's the defensive coordinator at a Michigan or a Notre Dame or, or somewhere bigger than Iowa State. But that hasn't happened. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if those two guys are attached to the hip. I don't know if it's a B enemy thing where he just sucks at interviews. I feel like we haven't even heard his name mentioned for a lot of interviews, though, so I'm not sure it's that. So, yeah, it's weird, but unfortunately for Texas this weekend, he's still there, and his defense, despite losing a lot of talent from last year's team, is still very, very good. There is a silver lining. It's that Iowa State is maybe the second most physical team in the Big 12 this year on defense. The most physical, in my opinion, is Oklahoma State. Of course, the Longhorns do travel to Stillwater the following weekend. Hopefully that will be a ranked matchup. That means Texas takes care of business. Okay, BK, you've been to the Cotton Bowl before, so you know the horrific bathroom conditions. We were reminded of that, not just uh, at the stadium itself, but also all around the state fairgrounds, which is why this next story is a bit frustrating because apparently we need to remind people about basic bathroom courtesy. All the dudes out there, I'm assuming this is the case in the women's restroom as well, though women do go to the bathroom together. So I guess there is uh, less of a don't talk to one another policy in place. <laughs> Former NFL player Channing Crowder was on a podcast recently and had some very bizarre things to say about how he likes to operate in the bathroom with other dudes in the bathroom standing at urinals right next to him. Let's listen to some of this audio. I talked to a in the bathroom. You would? Yeah, 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 yeah. I do it all the time. That's weird. But bro. I just like to look at people like you hold your you holding your and I'm looking over. I don't want to look at your but just just to look bro. at a man next to me and be like, bro, how you doing? You okay? You, you like a man in that vulnerable space. I just I just want to I want to see what I want to see what you about. Wait, what? I just want to see what you about. Here's what I'm about, Shannon Crowder. <laughs> I'm about looking straight ahead and kind of keeping to myself as I'm using the restroom. Hopefully, I'm in a bathroom. That has at least a little bit of a divider, if nothing else, between urinals. But if that's not the case, let's leave one another be. Let's do our business, get in, get out. We don't need to have long, drawn-out conversations. You don't need to be on your phone as you're going into the bathroom. Let's get the, keep this process moving. It needs to be uh, like a conveyor belt. Oh, that is so gross. That is so gross. And even if there is a divider in between you and the person next to you, you're still not looking or talking to the person next to you. There are two places your eyes can be when you're taking a leak at a urinal straight ahead or straight down that's it 
All right. You're either looking at the wall in front of you or you're looking down to make sure everything's okay down there. Okay. That's all you're doing. You're not looking to the right. You're not looking to the left. You sure as hell aren't peeking over and checking out the guy's watch standing next to you. That is unacceptable behavior by Channing Crowder, man. I, I, I like that guy as a football player. I, I no longer like him as a football player or a human being. That is, if I see that dude in a bathroom next to me, I am, I'm leaving. I don't care if I'm midstream, I am up and walking out. I don't want any part of that. So Channing tried to add some context to why he acts like that in the bathroom. And it has to do with lions. If you can have a conversation with me holding your and I'm holding my we can look each other in the eyes and talk. That means that you are alpha male. That means you a lion. That means you a lion. Like lions. When's the last time you saw a four, four, five male lion sitting around in the same area? It doesn't happen because they have territories. Never. The thing that makes this run is when you have an alpha male, you got a lion that can sit and talk to another lion and just be comfortable with it. Does anybody want to let Channing Crowder know that lions are one of the exceptions in the animal kingdom where the females actually run the den? That the lion just lays around all day, play with the kids. He literally just said that lions don't do that. He he literally was saying, be like a lion. And then he's like, well, lions actually don't even do that. So why, why would we do that? Also, we're not lions. We shouldn't be trying to be lions. And you just said, Channing, that lions don't even do what you want us as human beings to do. So, yeah, bad uh, bad comp right there, dude. Oh, my God. Yeah, lions don't do that. Humans shouldn't do that either, by the way. Let's let's look at the – let's look at lions. Let's look about, uh, about just about any other – uh, species out there. Guess what they do when they need to use the restroom? They go off by themselves. Yeah, they don't hold their junk and find somebody to look in the eye while they do it. I, I've never, you know, I've watched a lot of Animal Planet and I've watched a lot of National Geographic and some of those Morgan Freeman narrated documentaries, uh, the planet Earth. I've never seen an animal go out of his way to point out somebody else, hold on to his Johnson and take a piss while staring somebody in the eye. I don't think anybody else does that, Channing. It's just you, dude. I've walked my dogs enough to see the shame on their faces when they have to do that business next to me. And by the way, they have the added psychological benefit of knowing that I actually have to pick up after them. So if there's ever a situation where you're going to look somebody in the eye and say, yeah, this is happening right now, it's dogs doing it next to their owners, but dogs are ashamed of it as well because it's an embarrassing process. Uh, are you trying to have somebody else watch them while they do that, much less make eye contact and try and chat it up? I don't care what you think the weather is today, Channing. I don't care what you think is going to happen in Alabama, Tennessee on Saturday. Keep your eyes forward. Maybe look down when you're finishing up and let that be that. I'm worried if there's more audio you have, Channing's going to be like, well, after a couple of seconds of holding our own Johnsons and looking in the other eye, we actually switch hands and I hold his and you hold mine because that's what tigers do. That elevates you from a lion to a tiger, okay? If you want to be next level, you got to do that type of stuff. Channing did try and he did try to provide an anatomy lesson. I wasn't planning on playing this audio, but let's let's go ahead and roll it because oh uh, Channing uh, shows exactly where he is here. I'm gonna tell you this: a dick is comprised of two parts, mm-hmm. two parts, a stick and berries. Isn't that three parts? There's big sticks, there's little sticks. Mm-hmm. There's big berries, there's little berries, but they all look the same. <laughs> there you go. Oh man, this guy, Channing Crowder, a doctor, uh, a history professor. A geologist, 
anatomy guy. Anatomist, a, exactly. Yeah, there, I was going to say, there's got to be a realer term than anatomy guy <laughs> that, that shows you what I do for a living. It's not that. Uh, man, that is that is bizarre from Channing Crowder. Did that happen to you at the Cotton Bowl during your 15 bathroom breaks you had to take? No, you know why? Because I skipped to the bathroom. I found a stairwell and just went there because I knew I wouldn't be having to make eye contact or chat it up with anybody else. And it's a lot quicker too, right? I mean, you got to wait half an hour. You miss damn near a quarter if you're trying to take a leak during the Red River shootout. So smart move on your part, man. Just find one of those ramps or a stairwell and you're good to go. I will say I was proud of my kids after the uh, the first time they had to use. And we actually found the bathrooms in the uh, the auto show area of the fairgrounds, which theoretically are the, like the cleanest, best bathrooms in there. When they both got done, they're like, what in the world was that? Like that's next to porta pot level. Disgusting dad. Oh, I'm like, man. yeah, that's why we told you to go before we got to the fairgrounds. Cause it doesn't get any better than that. It, it, actually it is gross. It's uh, it's the beauty and the struggle of attending that game every year. Did, you, think uh, when, go ahead. Go ahead. you think when Shannon Crowder has people over to his place and they ask to use the restroom, <laughs> he just follows them in there. Oh God. I hope not. I would, I would leave right away. I'd okay. BK, you are uh, several years younger than me. So I need to, I need to uh, use your, your youthful expertise to help figure out if I'm just being an old guy when it comes to sending text messages. Oh God. Okay. Comprises this week's edition of where are we at in society? Go ahead and hit it. Coach Gundy. Where are we at in society today? Wow. We got coach back. What a gift. That's right. We may eventually get the video too. I'm not sure if that uh, if that is any sort of copyright infringement. Once we can figure that one out, though, we may have to actually get the visual version of Gundy as part of his "I'm a man, I'm 40" rant, talking about <laughs> where we at in society. By the way, I had to re-record that today. Went back and listened to that whole rant. What a freaking psychopath! I mean, my goodness. Especially oh, I thought it was glorious. Story, especially because the story wasn't even all that off base. He was just pissed off because. One of his kids was getting called out, you know? Oh, man. It is without question the best press conference rant in sports history. Player, coach, owner, I don't care. That one is as good as it gets. We had so many radio drops that we could play from that speech and that speech alone. Trey, I wouldn't mind. Forget just the where we at in society part. If you wanted to roll the entire video for like three or four minutes over us <laughs> to give us a little bit of a break mid-vid, uh, I have no problem with that because I could watch that thing every day and not get tired of it. We're going to have two commercial breaks. One is Coach Gundy on his I'm a man on 40 rant, and the other will be the Coastal Carolina coach. <laughs> we may have like mix, a dog? Yeah, we may have to mix the Augie Garrido rant in there too. Though. Yeah. That's a legendary one. Anyhow, so uh, yeah, apparently I am an old guy because uh, there was a poll put out on Reddit recently that asked Gen Z folks, which is right around your age range. What are you, 27 now, 26? Uh, 28 and a half. Jerk. 28 and a half. Oh my gosh, you're that close to 30, which means I'm that much closer to 50. I'm 44 yeah. right now. I'm going to be 45 in January. You're going to be 29 in March. So, wow, it's uh, yeah. time is flying. But uh, you are technically a part of Gen Z. I think I'd barely hit the millennial timeline. Not right. that that's something I should want to claim, but I think technically I am uh, like one of the last years of birth for classifying as a millennial. So you're pretty much Texarkana when it comes to the generational bit. <laughs> Z could qualify as millennial. So uh, I'm still going to ask you this question because there was a poll put up on Reddit recently 
that asked Gen Z folks to rank the emojis that make a person sound old. And the number one emoji that makes somebody look or sound old is the thumbs up emoji. And I'm going to be honest, that is an emoji I probably use more than just about any other. So for you, when you see the thumbs up emoji, are you like, oh gosh, here this old guy goes again trying to be cool. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Yeah, I don't get too many thumbs up emojis from the people I text, and most of them are around my age, so... I do think you're pretty old with that one. And it also reminds me of the Aggies, dude. Like, switch that up to a horns up instead of a, a thumb up, you know? See, here's the problem. I have, just in live, now I realize that the digital version is different. I have a good thumb. I have good thumbs. I have a 100% success rate of hitchhiking because I have really good hitchhiker's thumbs. I don't know if you can see right there. Yeah. I mean, that thumb... That what is thumb wrong takes, with you? That thumb takes a hard 90 degree angle to the right. It's just that good of a thumb. I mean, it has worked so well in different situations beyond hitchhiking, by the way. I, I'm not sure I want to know the other situations that you've needed to use your thumb in, but uh, hey. It's been, nice, it's been a nice bedroom accessory at times, if I'm yeah, being completely honest. You've been married for a long time, so I guess now we know why. <laughs> now we know why. Yeah, it's sure not my personality. So... <laughs> There were uh, nine other emojis that apparently make somebody sound old. The red love heart, which I never do. That was 22%. So a little bit more than one in five Gen Zers thought that makes the texter look or sound old. Yeah, it feels like something a parent would send to their child, which is probably why they feel that way. You know, like, uh, love you. Mom texts you, I love you. She'll add that red heart emoji. I, I could see why that answer no. is, is where it is. Okay, yeah, my mom never sends me that one, but then again, I question whether she loves me some days. The number three is the okay hand, which I know has taken on bizarrely racist connotations in 2022. I think it's when you put it upside down and on a leg or something. I'm not sure what the rules are, but apparently the okay hand makes you sound old. I can kind of see that one. Yeah, that's something that like e even before the racial connotations came to the public light, like it, it, it felt like that went away. I don't know how many people were doing this to other people to signify that something was okay or cool. Uh, so that, likely to, you're more likely to go thumbs up than okay. You're more likely. Yeah, to go yeah, up. I'm with you. How about the uh, the smiling pile of poo? Smiling pile of poo is apparently an old person thing now. Hmm. Well, that's what the olds do, right? Something that is cool with the youngs. The olds get a hold of it and then they just run it into the ground. So. That used to be a really popular one. I feel like I'm not seeing it as often these days, which is probably explained by the olds just ruining something else. <laughs> Greatest generation, my ass, dude. The loudly crying face. Loudly now, if we're talking about laughing so hard you're crying face, I'd be guilty of that one. But the loudly crying face, no, I'm not. I'm not faking like I'm crying to just about anybody. Yeah, I use the uh, like the crying laughing emoji a lot. I don't know if it qualifies as the loud crying because i know there are a few different ones but 
the uh, the cry laugh emoji is is a big one for me. I'm a fan of that. I got a big problem with this one, even though I don't use it a whole lot. Monkey eye cover. I love monkeys. Monkeys covering their eyes. It's a great way to get across that you're afraid to see what's next. Yeah, well, that's how they show their manhood too. You know, instead of doing what the lions do, the monkeys just cover their eyes when they go to the bathroom. So that's when you know. Um, that's what I do half the time when I go to the bathroom at the state fair. I just cover my eyes and plug my nose. Oh uh, yeah. The, the second part is something you absolutely have to do. <laughs> we also have the clapping hands emoji as making okay. me sound old. The lipstick kiss mark. Never used that one before. And then also the grimacing face too. Mm. Yeah. I don't use those that often. I don't use emojis in general that often. It's, it's a pretty rare occurrence for me to even use them in general. It's usually with women versus like just texting dudes. It's rare that an emoji makes the cut in that spot. It's usually a good GIF or jagif, however the hell I'm supposed to pronounce it, or like some random ass video over the emoji. But uh, yeah, those, I, I feel like I'm still young, you know, like the older I get, the older I feel, obviously there's a science lesson for y'all. Uh, but, um, yeah, I'm not using most of those emojis, which makes me feel like I still have some life left in me. So this was a common question that you and I had when we were doing the previous show. And that is whether it's GIF or GIF. I know that the guy who created the GIF GIF used to say GIF, but everybody else swears that it's GIF. You and I both used to say GIF GIF, but now you've, <laughs> you've evolved from that. How do you pronounce it now? I'm not sure. I say gajif or jagif. You know, I just say them both. I feel like I'm covering all my bases there, not pissing anybody off. When in reality, I'm probably pissing everybody off when I say it like that. So, I don't know, man. Like the the inventor of this thing died, so now I don't know what to believe anymore. Well, apparently the gif gif or the gajif is dying with them because I read an article the other day that Gen Z, just like they're yeah. down on the thumbs up emoji, they apparently hate gajifs. So we're about to see uh, those things slowly fade into the sunset, I guess. Well, I'm claiming millennial status then because I want to see those things live. I'm no longer Texarkana, all right? I'm 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 Tyler. I'm a little bit further into Texas, okay? We're safe <laughs> in the uh, millennial category. I had a, fa a feeling you'd be trying to move out of Texarkana before this episode was over with. I'm surprised it took me that long, dude. I should have I reneged on that deal right away. <laughs> I should have gone with uh I should have gone with a border town or something, make it sound yeah. a little bit better. Cause Texarkana, I mean, you're you're half in Arkansas at that point. Nobody wants to be there. Can you give me McAllen or like something in the valley at <laughs> least? Like just give me away from Arkansas. Uh, give me Mexico over Arkansas ten times out of ten. I'll consider that for next time. Did you see that Dan Snyder is apparently threatening the rest of the NFL if they try and oust him? He claims that he has private investigator information on Goodell and a number of owners throughout the league that will take the entire NFL down. Man, Dan Snyder, as much as I hate that guy, I have to admit that guy has some large balls when it comes to how he conducts himself. Uh, he's a piece of work, isn't he? And this was honestly the least surprising story I've read in a number of years because I, I've always felt like if Dan Snyder didn't have any information on Roger Goodell or the rest of the owners, he would have lost his team years ago with the stuff that he's been not only accused of, but like proven of doing as the owner of the Washington, whatever the hell we're supposed to call him these days. Uh, like that dude, if he was just a Joe Schmo owner, he would have been fired. He would have been forced to sell the team. Kind of like Donald Sterling with the Clippers a couple of years ago, right? Like that would have happened to him. But I've always thought he's had some sort of dirt on the important decision makers in the NFL, which is why he's been able to keep his team throughout all of the negative publicity that they've had over the last few years. So 
Uh, I'm almost surprised that it's taken this long for this to become kind of public knowledge, Trey, because this is something that I've been saying and definitely feeling for a, a long, long time. I mean, what in the world could he possibly have? The owners hold their annual meetings at Epstein Island several years ago, and he's got the video of that. I mean, what could he possibly possess? I mean, this article from ESPN mentions that he has some real dirt on Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones is uncancelable. All the dirt that exists on that guy has come out already. The guy loves Johnny Walker Blue. He has no problem groping blondes that are a quarter his age. I mean, the guy has has pretty much had all the skeletons revealed, and it doesn't affect his status as a Dallas Cowboys owner. Yeah, why do you think he has the, uh, the Bravo Eugenia, the yacht that he has? Come on, man. What's he doing on there? Um, I don't know. My guess is it, it might have something to do with the financials, right? Cooking books, maybe. Uh, maybe a Brett Favre situation where money that's supposed to be allocated elsewhere is being sent elsewhere. No, I thought you were going to say, I thought you were going to say you got Robert Kraft D picks or something. Oh, maybe. Yeah, boy. Brett Favre could mean a lot of things nowadays. That guy sucks. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know what it is. Um, I mean, we know the owners in all sports are all about their money, right? They're all about their pockets and anything that threatens their bottom line, they're not going to take kindly to. So my guess is at least some of what Dan Snyder is threatening has to do with financial situations of the league and some of the teams too. Okay, BK. So something that is going to be a regular feature on this show is you and I making really reckless bets that have uh, embarrassing implications for one, if not both of us. That's going to include, yes, I realize we're halfway through the season now, but our season-long football picks bet. And whoever loses this is going to have to do something completely humiliating at the end of the year. Because on the old show, we would occasionally have to put ourselves through some ridiculousness because neither of us are all that good at picking winners. Let's be completely honest about it. At one point, I had to wear a Kim Jong-un romper and eat at Taco Bell. And by the way, for those not paying attention, the Taco Bell part was the definitely the more embarrassing part of that equation for me. <laughs> you had to take a Greyhound to El Paso and back. I still can't believe you did that. You had to get a really dark spray tan at oh. one point. Uh, I've had to eat some really gnarly, spicy, nasty stuff throughout the course of this whole thing. So we figure that uh, that needs to be a part of this show as well, especially because we have the video element built in. So yep. we don't quite know what the football picks bet is going to require for the person who is worse at picking these games but it's going to be something. Yeah, no doubt about it. I'm trying to think of some of the other punishments we had to endure. You were to get your chest waxed uh, on air. Yeah, by the point. way, you, you you pulled one of those strips off, and you pulled it as slowly as humanly possible. That was definitely the worst of those. I thought it would hurt less, you know, just like quick, slow. They say rip a Band-Aid off very slowly, so it hurts less. Is that not the expression? Do I have that one wrong? I think that's the point that I yelled out Case McCoy's name. So, yeah, <laughs> you, had that, you had that one wrong. I think the worst one I ever had to do, Trey, was not the Greyhound bus to and from El Paso. Um, I think the worst one I had to do was going to a San Antonio Silver Stars WNBA game and act like a super fan. <laughs> I had to like buy a jersey and literally for the whole game, there's like a thousand people in this now defunct game because uh, the San Antonio WNBA team no longer exists. I think they moved to Vegas. Yep. And I was going nuts, yelling at the players, the coaches, the refs. And, oh, my God, everyone in that arena knew who I was by the end of the first quarter. Like, to me, that that's the most humiliating. I've done a lot of humiliating stuff, both with you and down here in Houston. Like, I had to do the Waffle House Challenge oh. maybe a month ago, which sucked. 
Is your stomach still all sorts of off because of that one? Dude, it it, it took like a week plus. And you know, my stomach is Teflon. Like that's uh, for it to take that long with me means that it really uh, effed with my system. So yeah, I've had some bad ones. And the good news for you, and really the good news for everyone watching right now is I'm horrible now. Like I'm worse at picking games than I was with you back on the midday show. Like last year, I got 36% of my games right. I was missing at a 64% clip. I would have been the best handicapper in the world. Like, literally, if you faded my picks last year, you would be a millionaire right now. And, oh, by the way, this year, on my radio show at ESPN Houston, I'm at about a 40% clip. So I'm still making you a lot of money by fading me. So you might be lucky here, Trey. And if you want to make some money watching this, if you're a degenerate like I am and you bet on everything, maybe a good idea to do the exact opposite of probably what both of us say, but definitely what I say. So what are the stakes on the ESPN Houston show this season? I think uh, I think what we have to do, we do monthly punishments too, but the season-long punishment I think is going to be we have to take like a giant life-size teddy bear out to a fine steak dinner. And it's got to be like a packed house on a Saturday night. It also is the teddy bear's birthday, so the wait staff has to come out and sing happy birthday to the teddy bear. So it's just everyone's going to be staring at you while you spend a bunch of money having a date at a nice restaurant with a teddy bear. That's that's what we've got going down here. All right, I'm calling for us to institute the uh, the monthly bit too. And we're going to start, I realize we're halfway through October. It's going to start for October. And oh I God. I don't have the stakes for the season-long bet yet, but I have the stakes for the October bet. Oh, no. You haven't told me this. Do I have a, a chance to disapprove? You can, yes, you can, if you really, if you want to deny this one, you can deny it because it's going to be humiliating. It's well, it's going to be psychologically painful probably, but uh, five minutes into an open mic and I'm swiping this one from our friend, Joe Cook, who had to do that as a punishment for getting, I think last place in a fantasy football league a year ago, five minutes at the open mic. If you are worse at picking games in October. Dude, that, that is season long for me. Okay. All right. That is effing terrifying. (laughs) <laughs> I, I like to think that I'm a relatively funny person. You I'm are, probably man. the only person who thinks that. Well, thank you. Uh, my mom's uh, probably Venmoing you to say that, Trey. Thank but, you. Um, yeah, but uh, like I stand up. Oh my God, something about it is just terrifying to me. Like what we do here and what we do on radio is like so different than that. Uh, that's that's a season long punishment. And even then, I'm like scared to say yes to that. But. If if uh, if that's what we decide on, if that's what the people want to for our season long bit, then I might as well book my night uh, sometime soon because it's <laughs> it's gonna be me. Okay, let's consider that for the season long bet. Then we need suggestions from people. I realize that this isn't live necessarily, but if you're watching, if you're listening right now on YouTube, in the comments section, leave us some ideas of some humiliation that one of us is gonna have to go through. If we are worse at picking games in October, it could be eating something that's really spicy or disgusting. It could be something completely different. I mean, we are open to suggestions and we are not afraid of the stupid human bet as we have proven many times in the past. Yep. No doubt. Yeah. We want to hear from y'all because you guys are going to be the people getting to consume whatever the, uh, the punishment is. So definitely comment below and, like and subscribe too. Like this video if you're not subscribed to the On3 channel, the On Texas Football channel. Make sure you do that as well. It's not only us. Uh, these guys have unbelievable content from the regular On3 guys. Trey, I know you do a couple of other videos as well now. So great content. If you're a Texas football fan, definitely hit that subscribe button so you're always up to date with what's going on with uh, the On3 guys. 
Oh man, could not be happier to be affiliated with the IT on three group. It's just a, a great group of people, a group that uh, I have just supported as somebody who has loved their work for so many years. So to get to be a part of the family now is a huge, huge honor. Justin Wells, Eric Nalim, Bobby Burton, Ian Boyd, Paul Wadlington, Joe Cook, of course, who we've already talked about this show. I mean, it is truly a great group. So it's a thrill to get to be a part of things. And yes, click that red subscribe button right now. Also, thumbs up to like this episode as well. All right, BK, we have six games this week, four in college, because there are a bunch of ranked matchups this week, and then two in the NFL, including that Cowboys-Eagles game. That'll be the last game we pick this week. We're going to start with the 11 a.m. game this week, BK. It's in the Big Ten, because of course it is, because Fox had to go and screw a good thing up by making sure top 10 matchups happen at 11 a.m. versus 6 or 7 o'clock at night. (laughs) That top 10 matchup, it's going to be the big noon kickoff this week. Is Penn State number ten at number five? Michigan Wolverines are touchdown favorites right now. What do you think happens in this one? I like Michigan to cover in this one. Uh, they look really good. I know they struggled for a while against Indiana last week, but they were able to get that win ultimately by three touchdowns on the road. I just think their offense with JJ McCarthy is way more explosive than it was last year. And of course, last year's Michigan team made it all the way to the playoffs. So uh, I like Michigan. I'm not bought into James Franklin. I'm really not bought into Clifford, the big red quarterback. That guy's been there forever. And it just feels like in every big game, he comes up small. Uh, so I'm going to go with Michigan, not only to win, but also to uh, to cover the seven as well. I'm with you on Michigan. I like the McCarthy factor as well. And I think Michigan's defense is uh, really starting to play some good ball too. Intriguing matchup in Knoxville where a resurgent Tennessee squad they are number six right now. This is the big matchup of the weekend. 2.30 game on CBS, of course. Number six, Tennessee hosts number three, Alabama. Bryce Young's status still in question. Will he play on Saturday? Won't he? That's going to be a big difference in the game. I think that if he plays, he is going to be a little bit limited by that shoulder injury. And that's why I have uh, Tennessee covering the seven-point deficit that Vegas has them at right now. Do you think Alabama can win this game by a touchdown or more? Did you give your Michigan pick and I missed it? I did, yes. I said I, I like Michigan as well okay. because of the McCarthy factor, and I think Michigan's defense is playing better as well, and they're going to stifle, stifle uh, Clifford and that Penn State offense. I'm always listening. All right, uh, this will be our first different pick then. I'm going with Bama. Uh, I, I assume Bama's a touchdown favorite because they expect, they being Vegas, expect Bryce Young to play this weekend. Obviously, if it's Jalen Miller again, Texas guy, Houston area cat, fast as hell, great athlete. Uh, did some good things against AM last weekend, but look, it's obvious he's he's not Bryce Young. He's not the freaking Heisman winner and the potential number one pick in next year's draft. So I'm going to bank on Young playing and being pretty close to 100% since he didn't play last week. And uh, give me roll tide because it feels like when these two teams get together, the tide always rolls. So I'll take Bama to, uh, to cover the touchdown on the road. You think OU could have a quick trigger finger with Brent Venables if it means that they have a chance to land Josh Heupel? maybe after this season or maybe after next season? No. Well, maybe after next season. I don't think anything's going to happen after this season. That'd be ridiculous. Uh, OU fans were overhyped with Brent Venables this year, and that's another part of why this is so enjoyable, watching Oklahoma struggle the way that they are. Like, I, I haven't basically seen this in my whole life, right? Like, I was four in 1998, the last time Oklahoma was really bad. So this is the first time like my actual sports memory knows and can witness Oklahoma really struggling as a program. And let me tell you, it's glorious. And I hope it lasts until the end of time, especially considering what we've been through over the last decade or so. But uh, despite that, like, I don't think Venables is going anywhere. 
And I guess the point I was trying to make was they tried to sell us this bill of goods that Venables this year was going to be awesome and an instant upgrade over Lincoln Riley. And they weren't taking a step back at all, even though they lost their coach and a bunch of players in the portal. Uh, they tried to convince the country that they were in a better spot and they are now in a much, much worse spot. So despite that, like even if they go five and seven, which I don't think is going to happen, uh, I still think Venables gets at least one more year after next year. If it's looking like this, then maybe they'll have some conversations in Norman. And if Tennessee is looking this good next year, then, yeah, maybe they'll make the call to try to bring uh, Josh Heupel home. It was bizarre how many media members even thought that Oklahoma was just going to pick right back up where they left off a couple years ago and win this conference again this year. You can't lose that much on both sides of the ball to go along with a majority of your staff and expect to remain that good. This was always going to be a rebuild year for them. And while I tended to side with OU fans and the excitement that they had for Brent Venables, I thought he was going to be a good coach. I'm truly not sure now. And that's not just based on the results this season. That's from listening to him at Big 12 Media Days, talking about jamming fire hoses in his mouth and it being full throttle and just some other bizarre comments that were made at that time. Yeah, no, the early return's not great for Brent Venables, so... I'm not sure, man. I'm not sure what's going to happen with Oklahoma. I will enjoy the rest of this year as much as I can. Uh, boy, I would love it. I mean, a lot of fan bases have given Texas grief for losing to Kansas multiple times over the last five or six years. But if Kansas goes into Norman and beats Oklahoma, uh, I would enjoy the hell out of that for a number of different reasons. So We are all Jayhawk fans this weekend. By the way, Oklahoma has lost back-to-back -back games by 30-plus points for the first time in program history. That's where they are right now. Speaking of the Big 12 – one of the other matchups that we're picking this week, another ranked matchup. How about Oklahoma State, the number eight team in the country, at number 13 TCU. BK, the Horn Frogs are four-point favorites right now. I've lost a lot of money betting against Oklahoma State this year. Uh, I just don't think Spencer Sanders is very good. Now, he's been very good this year. Like, if you've only watched Spencer Sanders play in 2022, you're like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, he's looked great, and he has. But I just feel like at some point – the turnover-prone Spencer Sanders of old is going to rear its ugly head. And I'll, I'll pick it this weekend. I'll bet against Oklahoma State again, which you're welcome, Cowboys fans. That probably means you're going to win this game outright, not only covering the four. But, uh, yeah, TCU's good, man. Max Duggan having a great year. It's nice to see him play well against somebody besides Texas Trey because it feels like that guy only has played well against Texas over his college career. Uh, I'll go with TCU at home. They're riding high. They're looking good. Sonny Dyke's doing a tremendous job. The four is, is a lot, but uh, give me the home team, man. I'm going to bet against Spencer Sanders again, and at some point I'm, I'm finally going to be right. Max Duggan, as I like to call him, poor man's Sam Ellinger, has a ton of good weapons to throw the football to. Obviously, Quentin Johnston, uh, that primary target. But just like every year, TCU has guys who seem like they can take it to the house each and every play. You know, it's funny, the last time we were doing a show, I think Spencer Sanders was the Oklahoma State quarterback. And I feel like you and I were two of the first people on the whole, I don't know if this guy is developing. This may just be what he is as a quarterback. Now, having said that, I've watched them enough this year to realize that or to believe, and maybe it's a false belief here. Maybe I'm getting suckered again. Maybe it's fool's gold that Spencer Sanders has finally turned that corner. I think back to the game against Baylor a couple weeks ago where he threw an interception to start the second half. And I said to myself, uh-oh, there he is. There's that Spencer Sanders we know and love so much. There's that Spencer Sanders that we saw in the Big 12 championship game last year. But then something happened. He steadied the ship, and he was actually making plays throughout the rest of that half to help his team win that game. 
I am a believer in Spencer Sanders right now, and I think Oklahoma State should be the favorite in this game, so I do have them covering uh, that four-point spread that Vegas has them losing by right now. You've got the wrong team favored then. You think the Pokes went outright. That's right. I sure okay. do. All right, going to go out west for our fourth and final college game. That would be number seven USC at number 20 Utah. PK, the Utes, three-and-a-half-point favorites. You think the Trojans can keep it within a field goal? No, I don't. I don't. Um, I, I picked Utah to win the Pac-12 before the season started. Not looking good because they've already lost a couple of games, including one to UCLA last weekend. But that is a tough place to play. Uh, I think Utah's had this one circled on their calendar for a long, long time. USC has escaped in a couple of these wins. They've also been incredibly fortunate with the turnover margin. Uh, like That stuff usually balances out over the course of a long season. So I like Utah to win and also to cover the three and a half. The Pac-12 has been a lot better, too. We talk about the Big 12 being clearly better in 2022. The Pac-12, like they've got some juice now at the top of that conference. Uh, and I think Utah finds a way to spoil USC's undefeated season. So... I'm going with uh, the Utes to protect home field and win this one. Bo Nix has been playing some really good football in Eugene for those Oregon Ducks. You're right. The Pac-12 has had a nice bounce back year considering just where they've been the last few. I'm not feeling great about this pick now because you kind of talked me down off of this one. So I'm just hoping that uh, you're wrong like you have been about so many games this year. But <laughs> give me USC to keep it within a field goal. I don't know if they win this game outright. But I do think that Washington State game last weekend served as a sort of wake-up call for them. You know what? I do think wrong team favorite. I do think the Trojans win it outright. So we are different on three or four games on that one. So there's going to be some movement going to the NFL now, starting with the Buffalo-Kansas City game. I believe that is the 325 affair on Sunday. The Bills, even though they're at the Chiefs, they are two-and-a-half-point favorites. Who do you think wins this one, BK? The first time Patrick Mahomes has ever been an underdog at home. What a crazy. Stat. Yeah, first time he's ever been an underdog at home. The easy thing to say is, oh, my God, I'm getting points with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid at Arrowhead. Uh, I'm taking it. I'm not taking it. Uh, this one means a lot to the Bills. Uh, of course, every game means a lot to everyone. But we saw this exact game a couple of years ago, right? I think it was 2019 in the playoffs. The Chiefs beat the Bills in the AFC Championship game. They played in Kansas City the following regular season relatively early, and the Bills smacked the Chiefs around. You could tell that game meant a lot to them because of what happened in the previous year. We all know what happened in last year's playoffs. The 13 seconds, the miracle comeback by Kansas City, the crazy overtime win where the Bills never got the ball in OT. They've been thinking about that. They've been stewing on that game, waiting for this moment since that one ended way back in January. I'm taking the Bills, man. I, I think the Bills win this one by double digits, uh, to be perfectly honest with you. I think they win going away. So I might be an idiot for betting against Mahomes at home, but I just I feel like this game is going to mean more to Buffalo. And, oh, by the way, they've also looked really freaking good this year, too. Yeah, they have. And let's be honest, Kansas City, even though they're obviously one of the better teams in the league, something is not totally right with that offense right now. Obviously, losing Tyreek Hill was a big deal. You're not just going to replace him with three B to C level receivers that you're picking up off the scrap heap from other teams in the off season. Kelsey is one of the two best tight ends in the NFL right now. You can make the argument that he's the best tight end to go along with Mark Andrews. And he's obviously a big time weapon for them. They still haven't completely figured it out with the rushing attack, what they're doing with that running back rotation. Pat Mahomes is still Pat Mahomes. 
the skill positions, not nearly as good. And I agree with you. Buffalo is looking for some vengeance this weekend. They are flying high after a dominant affair over the Pittsburgh Steelers last weekend. Looks like Gabe Davis is finally turning into that guy that a lot of people thought he would be after that big playoff performance last year. A lot of chatter in the offseason. Obviously, Stephon Diggs is a big-time player as well. And uh, I do like their running back rotation in Buffalo. Singletary looking good. Moss does a little bit for them. They also uh, do have the rookie out of Ohio State who is picking up carries here, here and there as well. And I think that Buffalo defense, uh, despite the fact that they suffered a big uh, injury loss a couple weeks ago, is playing really well too. And I do have the Bills winning this one probably in that 7 to 10 point range. Okay. We got one more. Sunday night football, oh, BK, your Dallas Cowboys traveling to the Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles favored by six and a half points right now. I will go first to allow you to have the final word on those Cowboys. I don't know if Dallas win the, wins this game, but I think it's closer than six and a half points. I think Dallas figures out a game plan. Dan Quinn figures out a game plan to really slow Jalen Hurts up to do a good job of keeping him from utilizing his legs in the effective manner that he has done so throughout the course of these last couple of seasons. I realize Jalen Hurts has been uh, really good as a passer this year as well. I think Dallas has what it takes defensively to slow that offense down enough to at least keep it within, let's call it a two to five point game. I'm with you, man. I think the Eagles win, but I think the Cowboys cover the six and a half. Uh, the job that Dan Quinn has done with his defense has been immaculate. And what Micah Parsons has brought to the table, what the Marcus Lawrence continues to bring to the table, hell, Dorrance Armstrong looks like a real threat, right? Cowboys fans aren't missing Randy Gregory too much because Dorrance Armstrong has stepped up in a big, big way and been really impactful on that defensive front. The Cowboys are getting contributions from all three levels of that defense. So, yeah, I think they find a way to slow down the Eagles' high-powered offense. Uh, a Cowboys opponent has not cracked 20 points to this point in the season, which is freaking crazy. Like the Cowboys are doing stuff they haven't done since the doomsday defense is way back in the seventies. So uh, yeah, look, Cooper rush still a quarterback. I, I don't think he's enough for the Cowboys to win this game, but I think they'll find a way because of their defense to at least keep this within a score. So give me Dallas to cover the, uh, the six and a half point line. All right, there it is. We have the same NFL picks, three or four different in the college game. So somebody will be in the lead for October and for the season on the whole. Remember, if you have some ideas for the embarrassing bet payoff for the end of this month, for the entire season, please do leave it in the comments right now. Also, if you liked this episode, hit that thumbs up and do make sure to subscribe to the On Texas Football YouTube channel. Just click that red subscribe button. It's right there on the right-hand side right now. We do appreciate that. BK, pleasure doing a show once again. I look forward to a lot more fun on Fridays going forward. This is going to be a blast, my friend. No doubt about that. Should we give a pick for the Texas game before we get out of here? Yeah, let's do that. Okay, okay. So I've got this stat, right? And I don't like it, oh, uh, especially because of my cousin who likes to degenerately gamble on games. <laughs> Well, the Longhorns are what, 16-point favorites right now? They are. Iowa State has not lost by more than 14 points in 30 straight games. Whoa. Like they were disappointing last year. They were seven and six. They're three and three this year. Like they they've underachieved based on what we expected from them the last couple of seasons. They always find a way to seemingly keep things relatively close. The last time they lost by more than two touchdowns was the season opener in 2020 where they got blown out by Louisiana Lafayette, right, in that crazy mm. COVID year in the one non-con game that every team uh, in the Big 12 had to play. So I just – I think this is close. I think Texas wins. I said it earlier, though, Trey. This is the same old Texas game for me. 
This is a big one for Sark. Like, is this the same old Texas that struggles against a team that they're more talented than, that plays down to competition, that makes us deal with a nail-biter or even a loss? Like the same old Texas team that showed up in Lubbock. Are we going to get that, or are we going to get a new and improved Texas team, which is, hey, win and win this going the way, covering the spread or at least coming very close to it, clearly looking like the better team in a matchup where Texas clearly is the better team. So I, I would love to see it, man. I think this game is going to be close. I think the Longhorns win. I'll say, you know, 28 to 20 that will be my final score. So I'm going one possession game, a little bit lower scoring because I think the Iowa State defense is very, very good. I think Iowa State covers, though, man. I hope I'm proven wrong. I hope this can be as easy as last week and as easy as the West Virginia game. But they don't get blown out that much. And I'm a little nervous that that uh, John Heacock defense is going to confuse Quinn Ewers a little bit the first time he has to see it. I tend to side with you with regards to Iowa State being able to cover, but I do think Texas ends up stretching it to a 14-point game by the time it's all said and done. I think the final score is somewhere around 35-21, to 21, so that obviously falls below the 16, 16.5, but it is a two-touchdown win, which would break an impressive streak for Iowa State, even though they've obviously lost a lot of games in that time, to keep the games as close as they have, it's a little bit frustrating if you're an Iowa State fan, but it just speaks to uh, how Matt Campbell is able to keep things pretty close and at least give his team a chance to win. Unfortunately, their kicker completely sucks. Maybe the worst <laughs> kicker in the conference this year. And uh, they're just going to have to figure out ways to score touchdowns. And ultimately, that's probably going to be a problem for them at a point where it's maybe still a ball game. So 35-21, although, look, I'm with you. Uh, we both suffer from UTSD. University of Texas uh, stress disorder. We've seen way too many examples from the last decade plus since that national championship game appearance where Texas, we're not going to say goes full Aggie. Let's call it half Aggie. Texas fans go half Aggie. The program goes half Aggie and lets a tiny bit of success go to their heads. Yeah, It happened with the Alabama game earlier this year, a silver lining loss where all of a sudden we felt really good about stuff when we got that reality check in Lubbock just a couple weeks later. Has it been nice to watch this team play pretty complete football over the last couple of weeks? Absolutely. But we have to keep in mind that is against two of the, if not the two worst teams in the conference right now with West Virginia and Oklahoma. Iowa State presents a different challenge. And if you're not ready at 11 o'clock on Saturday, you're in for a rude awakening. But I do like the fact that this is going to serve as a nice prep for the physicality that they will be dealing with in Stillwater next week. Hopefully, if nothing else, get the W, but hopefully they can take care of business at DKR tomorrow. No doubt. And most of the guys on this roster have never beaten Iowa State since they've won three in a row. So a little bit of extra. I know. How depressing is that? A little, little bit of extra motivation, hopefully, for uh, the guys in Burn Orange. There's guys who have been in this program for two years now who, let's um, excuse me, who have been in this program for three years now who don't know what it's like to beat Kansas yet, BK. Well. Because that COVID game was canceled. Let's remember yeah. Yeah, yeah. Who was ducking who that year? Do we know? Oh, that was Texas ducking Kansas. <laughs> they weren't necessarily ducking the matchup. They were just done with the season at that point. Yeah, I think we all were at that point. Yeah, unfortunately so. All right, BK, thank you so much, and we will talk to you next week, my friend. Have yourself a great weekend in H-Town. You too, brother. And thanks to you for checking us out. Make sure to click that thumbs up to like the episode and subscribe to On Texas Football, the YouTube channel. Till next Friday, I'm Trey Elling. Hook em.